gentlemen, boys and girls, dying time is here. This is the Kill by Kill podcast, and we're still in Friday the 13th, 3D. Greetings and salutations, internet peoples. This is Patrick Hamilton coming at you from the Outer Banks of the Los Angeles County area. And welcome here, welcome, welcome to the Kill by Kill podcast. And of course, here we examine the least discussed component of any horror film, the characters. We unpack the gory details of every hack, slash, and decapitation in the hopes that a character's untimely end is just the beginning of the discussion about them. And I have brought to you the best person in the entire world to talk about horror movies with, and that is the one, the only, Gina Radcliffe. How are you doing, Gina? Um, um, I'm dying. It's, uh, it's very hot here. It is a real feel of 112 degrees. Mm-hmm. I uh, with a, with a humidity index of approximately 350. Oh, I, that's I, very specific. I I feel like I, I feel a little bit like uh, like Belloc looking into the Ark of the Covenant. Uh, it's, <laughs> it's everything. I live in New York. Everything smells. Mm-hmm. Everything's moist. Everything is incredibly unpleasant. Oh, well, what better way? to talk about the unpleasant characters of Friday the 13th Part 3D than to get into this particular mode. Let's do a quick recap of where we are in this specific moment in time. We've had two very grotesque characters killed right off at the top. We never really know them. We never really want to. But we have a whole bevy of kids. They're not camp counselors. They're just rando kids. And in no particular order, they are Chris, the designated final girl and a, and perhaps assault victim. We got Debbie and Chuck. They are proud parents to be and our resident fuck couple for this particular movie. We have Chuck and Chili. They're a pair who are uh, slowly morphing into permanent Cheech and Chong cosplay. We also have Rick, a sentient slab of beef with a permanent heart on. And we also have a biker gang trio, two-thirds of which are dead. Uh, the other one it lies unconscious in the Barn of Doom. Uh, by the way, there's a Barn of Doom. That leaves us with our subject for this particular episode, uh, Vera and Shelley, why don't I ask you just right off the bat, what are your feelings about this pair? Well, I mean, Shelley, I think, is uh, what the kids today would refer to as a fuckboy. Um, <laughs> Please, go on. Um, that is the, uh, the guy who tries very hard to, you know, to obnoxious levels to attempt to get the attention of a girl that he 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 fancies he admires mm-hmm. which would be Vera. Yes. So instead of you know talking to her instead of you know just trying to be himself, Shelley's a prankster. He's a fun guy. No, he's really not fun. He's mm-hmm. very sarcastic. He uh he doesn't seem to understand why people think that uh that you pretending to be injured is a uh, is is you know, a wacky fun prank to play on your friends. You know he's kind of he he's very much if you looked up schlub in the dictionary, it would be a picture of Shelley. Um, yeah, and I mean he to his credit, 
if such a thing is possible. He's aware. He's aware of his limitations. He he he, he, knows, is. he, he knows that he's not going to get anybody on his looks. He knows he's not going to get anybody on his personality. So maybe he's going to try his wacky sense of humor, which is at about the twelve-year-old boy level. I mean, he he is about maybe minutes away from just doing armpit farts to. To, to get Vera's attention, and, and she's not having it. I would respect him more if he went to armpit farts. <laughs> In fact, about the only time I do respect him is when he's juggling, because he's demonstrating a legitimate skill that, do, that other people do not possess. Whereas the vast majority of time, he is self-deprecating to the point where he's basically cornering you into hating him at an active level because he certainly doesn't like himself. So why would you engage in that? And then the other element that is sort of part and parcel with his practical jokehood, and this becomes its own subgenre within the Friday the 13th movies. And that is the person who is so ensconced in liking horror films that they themselves create horror movie props for the horror movie that they're in, and that's, that's which is that's a, yeah, that's an interesting observation because these characters are always awful, and, and yeah. it kind of makes you wonder what exactly horror movie writers and directors think of their fans. Because, like, do you remember a movie called called Fade to Black? Oh yes, of course. It'll never see the light of day, but I remember it vividly. Yeah, again, he it was to an extreme. But mm-hmm. I, I feel like that, that it, it would actually be an interesting remake in the era of extreme, frightening fandom. Yeah. Um, but again, it, it kind of is a, you know, to say the least, unflattering portrayal of people who are obsessed with horror movies. It's, it's, very, it's always unflattering. It, it doesn't come off well, particularly with the way that they introduce it to people. And Shelley is one of those trickster characters who is constantly trying to pull one on everyone. And I understand the idea from a screenwriting standpoint. You have a character who cries wolf several times, and it's always a joke. It's always a joke until it's not. But part of that is that the joke has to be good. Right. And I don't know, with the exception of like the one mask scare that happens in maybe part five, where Rudy the Reckless gets scared by Tommy Loomis with the alien mask. That's the only time that it seems like it's playful or he's demonstrating why he likes it or whatnot. Whereas Shelley has arrived to this group trip to a cabin in the woods with not one, but two fucking masks. Yeah, he's got like a case of like supplies. <laughs> and it's just like, you know, you came prepared to harass these people and give them a hard time. And, you know, I mean, who thinks of, I mean, and, and these people, these aren't like, you know, high school students. I mean, I guess they're supposed to be in their early 20s. And, and That's, I was just going to ask you, why do these people hang out? Yeah, Because I, mean, I don't see how this dynamic works. They're not connected via, they never say, like, well, we got to get back to school. Like, we all know one another because we're on the same dorm floor or whatever. Or we all work together. They're just, one person had a van and Chris has 
a cabin that she was sexually assaulted at. And she's like, come on, everybody. Pile in this stoner van. We're all going to go revisit the worst moment of my entire life. Well, you, and I, they all show up. And you can see, like, you know, the reasoning in someone saying, oh, well, you know, let me bring, you know, 12 cases of Bud Light. Or let yeah. me bring the, you know, the 36-pack of Trojans. But you know, it doesn't occur to you to, let me let me bring my favorite supplies to play pranks on people. Because I am yeah. 22 years old and I'm still, you know, slipping whoopee cushions under people's chairs and shaking hands with the buzzer thingy. Because that's hilarious. Pe- people love that kind of thing. It's and- a real golden ticket inside somebody's pants. <laughs> and I've never seen it work and it sure as shit does not work for Shelley in this movie beyond his constant whining and crying everyone else when skinny dipping but that's fine for them I can't skinny dip or whatever the fuck he says just body shaming himself I may have said this before there's a million of Shelley getting laid right now Totally. The only thing that's holding Shelly back is Shelly and bringing a wetsuit and spear gun to a fun weekend in the fucking woods. He basically admits that he has no redeeming qualities. Yeah. So, but he wants to make sure that people are paying, still pay attention to him. So he's going to just play these awful pranks that nobody seems to enjoy. And, yeah. and you think you would think at some point that someone would sit down and say, Shelly. That's not working out for you. You, you Vera wanna... tries to do that. She legit, when he goes, hey, I like you and I think you like me. And she just shuts it down by putting her finger on his lips. And that might be emasculating, but it is not as if Shelly is not asking for it. No. So, you know, he, she goes, hey, listen, we can, we can discuss this. But I want to let you know, we will not be engaging in any sexual activity in the near future. And I'm going to try to hold your hand through not being such a genuine gold-plated asshole. But first, I'm going to go outside. And his reaction when she saunters out the door is to call her a bitch. Which, yeah. again, why, why in the world does anyone care for this character i mean Mm -hmm. you 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 put up with an annoying friend and then you get to be about 17 or 18 and you're like you know what you you look me up when you've grown up a little bit there's there's no reason i I can see if it was his van that they were using or if it was his cabin but he didn't have to be there he shouldn't have been there even ned from part one Mm -hmm. you could i mean he was it was a weird dynamic with him and um and Jack and Jack's girlfriend. Yeah. You know, but it was, again, it was that third wheel guy, which a lot of a lot of friendships end up that way, where he sort of has, you know, a crush on the friend's girlfriend, but they let him hang around anyway. Yeah, but he's also, there. there's not a ton of uh, meanness. He does, he's not a bummer. Like, he's not a bad hang. He's a goof. You know, I don't necessarily appreciate him, you know, teasing Brenda by threatening her with a bow and arrow on on the archery range but that's more in service of the who done it plot of the first one right here we know exactly who done it 
He's the giant mongoloid creatined to a massive scale in 24 hours, lost all his hair. We know who this person is. So th- Shelley's character is just, uh, uh, he he is irritating for the sake of irritation. And I, I don't know that his death elicits the sort of, oh, I'm so glad that he's dead that maybe the filmmakers were hoping because while I might have quibbles with some of the other characters in the movie, I don't find them as horrific as Shelley specifically. Yeah. He's definitely the first character and and there are more, but probably not quite as uh, the audience. You don't find yourself intensely hating the characters as much as you do Shelley, but he, but he seems like the first character that was created specifically for the audience to dislike. And I think your theory in the ways that you, you came about it, why is it the horror fan is the one who's put in the place of being an irredeemable jerk off? That really is a good question. Is that the secret feeling of those responsible for the movie? I am doing this for a paycheck. You're a big dummy for liking it. I'm going to portray you on screen in the worst possible way is, I don't know, revenge to a degree? I, I suppose. And of course, you know, as as fanboys so rarely do, they're, they're not going to recognize themselves in these characters. No. So I, I figure, you know, if, if that is the case here, that it's, you know, it's a little... You know, let's call it mental masturbation for the uh, <laughs> for the, the 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 screenwriters. You know, they're thinking they're, they're you know you know sort of like uh, um, Rowan in in the new Ghostbusters. Mm-hmm. Like anybody, nobody was going to admit that Rowan was supposed to be like them. You right. Know, but but he very obviously was. I mean, I don't think they could have predicted how badly. You know the male male fans of the original Ghostbusters would have reacted to it, but it was definitely meant to be a dig at you know, fanboy culture yeah, of a sort. Nerd, nerdy male fans on the internet, and and but I you know they no one no one you know, would recognize that that's supposed to be them. Yeah, and to their credit, that sort of crazy loner that not everyone else truly enjoys who seems powerless who then decides to display power in a crazy way that's a trope from very long back in all sorts of genres it's just all the more pointed because of the way dipshits had to react to the horrid horrid idea that a studio would want to cash the check that's sitting on their desk that says ghostbusters on it there's like sorry kids there's like a million ways that that movie could have gone horribly horribly wrong and reflected in all sorts of ways badly against the original this movie isn't it it's a funny comedy i finally got to see it after coming back from spain it is a funny comedy i laughed all the way through it it is the is it the greatest comedy that there has ever been no but i there's only one greatest comedy that has ever been it doesn't shouldn't really stop people from attempting comedy and those are fun characters and those are funny actresses and sorry kids if you didn't like it not everyone has to like everything 
but you also don't have to be an asshole about it. <laughs> you prepare yourself for the angry emails. They're coming. You know what? Yeah, I don't think coming. there's a defense for it. If you didn't like it, you didn't like it. You know, we're, I'm sure there are people who are somewhat turned off to our attitude towards Friday the 13th. That we don't hold it as some sort of empirical good or this wonderful shining city on the hill. We like these movies, but they're not above reproach. There's lots of weird elements to them that, if you talk about them long enough, become weirdly evident. To pull, to bring it, to, to circle back around, I would definitely buy Shelley as the type of guy who would say that a, a that that the new Ghostbusters ruined his childhood. You know, when we get a reboot of Friday the Thirteenth, which they are now preparing as as we record this that if it comes out and it sucks it's probably going to be in line with a great many friday the 13th movies that suck let's connect this right back to shelly because what shelly has is that unique thing and i think what brings out the visceral reaction to him is that you've either been a shelly or known a shelly in your life and it's incredibly frustrating you just want to shake him and go knock it off. He has this attitude when he's confronted with being an asshole. He says, being a jerk is better than being nothing. Which is no. in- incorrect. No, that is not true. You are not bequeathed hot sex with Vera simply by your location of penis near her. <laughs> and it's that same air of privilege and cluelessness that makes these makes these things so frustrating in other avenues and so it it sort of a, a crystallizes within this particular character i i'm not sure i mean it, yet it happens so often that that people will just and, and it, let's face it it usually tends to be men who, who yes. choose the I'm unhappy with myself for whatever reason. Ergo, rather than trying to improve what I'm unhappy with myself about, which, to be fair, is easier said than done, mm. they will simply turn it around and lash out at other people and, and project their own fears and insecurities. And you know, well, you know, why should I be? You know, why should I be nice to you? You don't like me, and it, it gets very. You know, you, you're. It's sort of like the the the, you know, the five stages of death, where you know initially it's like, oh well, you know, he's just a little insecure, and then it becomes, well, this is exasperating, and then you know you get to number five, which is like, you know, this is infuriating. Get the fuck out of my face because yeah. I'm not here to help you work through your self esteem issues. Yeah, it gets very tiring to hold someone's hand through basic human interaction, and. <laughs> Vera is attempting it here. I think she can see a sad person inside of the I need to make fun and merriment of Shelley's exterior. And she's going to attempt to crack that shell open. But she's never going to get the chance because she's going to she's got a hot pink on hot pink outfit. She's going to get out there on the dock and just gather her thoughts this poor woman who's been shit upon by almost every character since she's entered frame including us because we've barely talked about her (laughs) because she's barely given anything to do but get abuse heaped upon her yeah i'm not actually sure what 
they never really quite clarified what she's doing there either. You you are right yeah. that this is like some sort of odd pre Craigslist sort of uh, <laughs> way of you know I'm driving this van to this cabin out in the middle of the woods. Anybody want to come along? Sure, you know. And it's like, yeah, I'm gonna spend a weekend out in the middle of nowhere with people I have just met. Because that's that's not going to be something. I mean, even if you don't end up spoiler you're dead with a a, a uh, what do you call it? Called? Oh my god! What is the thing that's used against Spear? The, the the name of the weapon. Oh, is the spear? The spear, spear from the spear gun. Yeah. yeah, when you know it, you know that's that that's not even like what would come up. Just the the just the all manner of awkward and horrifying things that could happen to you. Mm-hmm. I, I guess. But on the other hand, I guess it's sort of like when you see how many movies from the seventies involve people hitchhiking. That, you know, maybe maybe it is plausible that a bunch of people who have nothing better to do with their summer just decide for the hell of it to hang out in a cabin in the woods with a bunch of people they don't really know. None of them have anything that draws them together. The stoners love to get high, but not every anyone else really has a genuine desire to get high for the most part. With the exception of Chuck. Chuck's like, hey, what the hell? You know, my girlfriend's pregnant. Why don't I smoke up right in her face? <laughs> because we haven't decided that that's a bad thing. Yeah, <laughs> Only if you eat it. That was still that was still from the, the era where, you know, you could sit up front in your mom's car. And she had to hit the brakes really hard. She would just <laughs> throw her arm across your, uh, your chest and somehow keep you flinging through the windshield. Oh, my wife still does this to me. <laughs> <laughs> this is I, I go you gotta stop doing that if we actually get into an accident that's gonna end badly i i understand your desire to protect me but that's the airbag and seatbelts job but it means that she cares deep down and that's why i don't bring it up except on a podcast that she's not here and we'll be very surprised to hear about it perhaps i should cut that out um so anyways I don't remember exactly how... Oh, Vera ends up with Shelly's wallet after the incident with the gang at the second store that we're treated to the inside of in Crystal Lake for no particular reason. And uh, she discovers it in the little pocket of her first hot pink piece of clothing and decides to examine its contents and that is where we see Shelley and his mom or or it's his mom which 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 or is, Zadie. which is as we pointed out a few episodes ago is named Mrs. Finkelstein <laughs> I I I'm not sure why the person who created the wiki for this thought it was necessary to clarify that a character whose last name well, any character, their last name, that their mother would be Mrs. Last Name. <laughs> you know, I mean, I, I presume that your mother is Mrs. Hamilton. <laughs> you know, I mean, that's you usually, would presume correctly. That's well, usually that how is, these things work. That is supposing that she is actually his mother. And what I'm wondering, the last time I watched it, if perhaps that isn't his grandmother. And I am betting that Mrs. Finkelstein loves his jokes. Oh, he's just so sweet. She thinks he's going to be a comedian someday. You watch, you're going to see him on The Tonight Show. She just grabs that cheek and just holds on for dear life that he'll make something out of his miserable, miserable life. Here's the good news is he he cleans his plate every night. 
And he she that's... pats it. She pats his curly little head and say, "Oh, honey, get a haircut." <laughs> so while while she's examining said wallet, I believe, or around this point is when he emerges from the murky depths of the shallowest part of Crystal Lake. He somehow how to, did this how did this happen? I don't what know. The, what were the how did he did he teleport? Because she 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 walked out of the cabin onto the dock and suddenly he's there underwater. How did that happen? In a full wetsuit <laughs> with a spear gun and a hockey mask on. So he held his so he has a wet wetsuit but he didn't bring you know something to breathe with but he's wearing a hockey mask i mean it makes no sense gina no it doesn't and i i've never personally put on a wetsuit but i understand it is a difficult process that that takes several minutes and in and a considerable amount of baby powder so i i <laughs> i i am dubious unless he had it on under his clothes which would Explain why he was so grouchy. I mean, I can't imagine. I'm how, not how, gonna put it past him. How I really not finding it would be to be wearing a a a, a wetsuit for several hours. He just wants to be held. That's so wrong. Yeah, doesn't figured, matter if it's neoprene. He wants to be held close. You know, he figures. Well, she doesn't like my jokes. I'll just play another joke on her. This one will work for sure. Yeah. This this is the point where the audience is thinking. Okay. When's he gonna die? When's he gonna yeah. die? When's he gonna die? When's he gonna die? And, and that give me might, the satisfaction of that, this. That, and again, that might be the very first time. So, and it, it'll happen later, but this will be the first time where you were actively hoping yeah. that this character was going to die and die soon and die horribly. And that's where I think the utter failure of Friday the Thirteenth Part Three really comes into focus. Is we are given so much evidence that Shelley is asking for it in the worst way. The fates, the fickle finger of fate should point at him and something bad and graphic and crazy should happen. And it doesn't. In fact, it just kind of transfers to Vera, who I would say has the, on the higher end of the more memorable deaths in the movie. So let's get to that. Let's just, Shelley is dismissed. He's a complete jerk. Vera loses the wallet in the water she goes and it floats for some fucking reason because it's filled with unused condoms <laughs> it's like a wallet flotation device you know he's got you know he's got some sort of calendar that like every three months he swaps it out because he doesn't want it to get dried out or anything so <laughs> i i have a hint for shelly is if you don't improve that attitude a whole lot of you is gonna get dried out um <laughs> That's this, neither here nor there. She's not an asshole. For, this one's going to be used for sure. <laughs> <laughs> She's not a total jerk. She drops someone else's property in the water and she immediately tries to fish it out. That's what a good person Vera is. So while she is trying to extricate this ridiculously stupid Velcro wallet from the depths of Camp Crystal Lake, or actually the tops of it, and you, and you know that the, and you know that and you know that such a thing existed at the time. Shelley, unironically, would have the wallet that says "bad motherfucker" on it. <laughs> and nothing quite says "bad motherfucker" like a dirty Vans Velcro wallet. So this is the momentous occasion that we've all been waiting for, 
where Jason Voorhees shows up in the hockey mask for the very first time. So let's just, I guess, quickly talk about that iconography since we use it on our, as our very own logo. And it, you know, it took two and a half movies to find something that really makes Jason scary beyond the mere concept of him. Um, I mean, I, 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 would, I would love to know if that was always what they eventually intended. I'm not sure why the, the burlap sack no longer worked out for him. Um, you know, or, or why he, he was particularly worried about scaring people with what his face looked like, because if he was going to kill them anyway, yeah, I, I, I'm not sure why he felt it was necessary to hide his face. Well, I think they're trying to save that for some grand reveal since it's oh, well, yeah, been a sure, grand sure. reveal in yeah. one and two. And that, and that happens, and that happens uh, several times. You know, someone yeah. always, Either he takes his mask off, like yeah, woo, look at this, or it gets knocked off, or you know, a psychic it, makes it explode. Yeah, and like you know, squeezes brain juice out of his head and all, and 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 there's the next hashtag, hashtag brain juice, or hashtag, what should be hashtag R.I.P. Shelley. Yes. <laughs> well, I don't know that I, I, I don't know that he deserves that piece because he didn't uh, really bring it to anyone else's life. I will say that probably the reason they changed from the sack to something else is the sack is a direct ripoff from the town that dreaded sundown. Well, right, right, and, right. And it looks cooler there. And so if you're trying to make something that has his own iconography, stealing someone else's really doesn't help. Although it's more realistic. But I would I would love to imagine them just walking through like a a, a model sporting goods or just like <laughs> looking at well, can we try a catcher's mask? No. Uh, how about a fencing mask? That'd be look. That would look kind of fancy, wouldn't it? And then they, and then they just eventually just settle on a hockey mask. Yeah, I supposedly it's one of several masks that they had, um, and you know, half a dozen people on the cast and crew have stated that they were the ones who proposed it, or that they're the ones who you know said oh you should pay attention to that hockey mask so who's to really say regardless it does work and it specifically works with this version of jason because he's this giant hulking mass now yeah in the 24 he, hours since the last when he comes film. when he comes like just kind of slowly striding out onto the dock i i feel like they should be playing like the opening bars of iron man it's <laughs> <laughs> Just, or or as they do in a later film, have him throw a dagger at the screen a la James Bond. <laughs> it's just he he's sorta of badass in this in this part because he's like taking his time and, and Well you actually get to see him, whereas in other places he's only a shadow or something that ducks out of the way. This is the first full view of him really that we and, and get. He's enormous. I mean his yeah. his his legs alone look longer than my entire body from head to toe. And just, and, and again, he, he roided out. He, he gained about, he, he grew about six inches in height uh -huh. and he, he, he is massive. He looks like a bar bouncer. <laughs> and, 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 and I gotta say in, in, this is another much like how did Shelly get into the water so fast? This is another thing where they kind of, the, the time is a little, funky and doesn't really make yeah. sense so Shelly runs off and and 
Jen Jason appears minutes later with the mask. So in that minute or two that Vera is waiting around the water to get Shelly's mask, that's apparent, Shelly's wallet rather, that's apparently when Jason slashes Shelly's throat, takes the mask, and yeah, this will do. All right, I like this. He yeah. somehow manages to fit it over his head, you know, be, even though his his head is twice the size of Shelly's, counting the Jufro. Yeah. And, and it just, again, it's just, you know, that's one of those things where if you watch it enough times, you think, eh, it doesn't really make any sense. But, you know. Well, it's, it's, it doesn't make a lot of sense. It just begins to become compounded with this particular kill. Because as, as very epic as his introduction is, he then positions himself behind a pole, a light pole, and holds the spear gun that Shelley had in front of the pole. And I know why they're doing this, because the gag of that spear is running along a wire. But it's ridiculous to try and shoot somebody from behind a pole <laughs> with a hockey mask on, and you got one good eye. And the good eye is behind the <laughs> pole wall! And of course, she thinks it, she thinks it's Shelly. Which, come on, I mean, just yeah, just stop. You know, like, it's not that far away. Yeah, listen, I mean, we're not body shaming Shelly, but Shelly and Jason don't have the same body type in a lot of ways. Right, and she's just like, oh, hey, what are you doing? Hey, and and it's just, it's like, come on, let's. Uh, you know, and I think, and I'm actually rewatching the scene now. So he launches mm-hmm. the spear gun right under her eye. Yes. And, and then he turns around and just slowly walks to the dock, back up the dock. <laughs> he he's very methodic in this one. Like like yeah. like, and, and again, we talked about how he he's his mo seems to change from movie to movie. Mm-hmm. Like in in part two, he was sort of feral and and you know traveled but but yet could still you know travel far away yeah you know, he's far- devious enough to track someone down in who the fuck knows town that alice lives but at the end of the movie is so stupid he's fooled by a sweater and you know and, and he's living in a shack with a you know with a, with, a, with a toilet in the middle of the living room and and you know he collects- toilet <laughs> do you mean that toilet yes that toilet yes. Um, so, yeah, but this one, he's, he's very slow. He's very, you know, sort of, like I said, he's oddly kind of a badass. And then like, and then eventually he's just like this shambling monster where, where, you know, he, he cannot be, he's like the Terminator. He can't be reasoned with, he can't be stopped. Here he's just sort of, you know, I'm just going to stride right up, shoot this chick with this spear gun. Go in, chop this guy in half with this other weapon I just happened to find laying around. Because apparently, why rush? No one's going anywhere. Yeah, apparently in summer camps, it's it's quite common to have spear guns and machetes laying around. <laughs> it is a very well equipped camp, and yet, but there's no like there's no spare set of swim trunks so Shelly can go fucking swimming with the rest of the <laughs> with the rest of the team. Yeah, they blew all their budget on on weapons of of. A slicing destruction. Like, if Jason didn't come along and kill these people, someone was bound to. Because there's just so many fucking sharp instruments around 
that even a, a local biker gang is like, eh, maybe we should go kill them. <laughs> they just got a lot of weapons around. But Jason is a badass, but he's also not great with details because Shelly's the second person he walks away from who's not quite dead. That's that's true. You're, you're, We're going to come back to Axel later, but Axel is also not quite dead. So he's this massive, hulking, super strong, indestructible force of nature who's like not really big on checking whether or not somebody's breathing after he's tried to kill them. Like, I sliced his throat like he's pretty much dead. Oh, he is dead. He, I killed the shit out of him. He, he's, he's, he's totally dead. He's so fucking dead. He's not going anywhere. He's fine. So she gets it right in the eye with, with that spear gun. And I think the end result, as ludicrous as the setup is, the end result, I think, is reasonably effective as far as a magic trick and an image goes. But like everything else with Shelley, he doesn't know when to fucking quit. And he somehow stumbles around for a good 15 to 20 minutes worth of time within the movie with his throat slashed wildly open. I mean, not a little petite, you know, Friday the 13th part one style throat slash. This is a giant, the man who, who laughed sort of gash. Yeah, across he, his he, entire he, throat. His yeah, his his head's about to fall off. It uh, it, it he sort of reminds me of um, uh, in oh God, uh, Sin City, when mm-hmm. um when uh, uh, Clive Owen is driving Benicio del Toro's body around, yes. and he does that really creepy where he's talking, mm-hmm. and then like his 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 head kind of swings back and like like opens up the wound in his throat, and like his voice gets like higher in pitch and it's just it's a really skin crawling scene yeah and and but yeah shelly is he like i said he his you if you if you flicked his forehead his head would just come right off so we are now down to the choose your own death venture moment here on the kill by kill podcast gina radcliffe would you rather die from a spear to the eye or a giant, and I mean giant, slash to the throat. Oh, totally the spear gun. She she you know, flails a little bit, and then and then she's gone. And really, yeah. I, I don't want to be associated in any way with 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 being being like Shelley, being being you know a Shelley esque character. So yeah, I would have to. And you know, again, who knows how long he was staggering around? And and again, you know, nobody believes him, so nobody tries to help him. Not that there would be any any saving him anyway but but yeah. you know there's a lot of reap what you sow in yeah, his death and you and you get that he just you know died alone unloved unlaid and who really wants to go out like that you know what i'm sure there probably is somebody but i don't know that person at least not yet and i'm not judging but oh boy you know the, I, only, the only one that's missing him is, is mrs finkelstein yes she is Let's pour one out for Mrs. Finkelstein. Well, I would agree with you. I want that spear gun bolt to the brain because, like, Vera is, she's there and then she is gone. And that's fine with me. I also do not want to be associated in Shelly beyond talking about him on a podcast. And so that brings us to the end of yet another Kill by Kill. Before we go, Gina Radcliffe, how can people 
Uh, see what you do on the internet. Uh, I write about uh, 70s and 80s television at tuneintonight.wordpress.com. Wonderful. Hey, do you want to talk to us? There's a couple ways you can do it. First of all, we have a Facebook group. Uh, join that Facebook group and we can talk about all sorts of things Friday the 13th related. Things are kind of heating up in the moments before a reboot, you know, really hits the ground. Why not be part of the conversation at the Facebook group? Let's get that going. You want to just send us a message about Shelly, about any episode or Friday the 13th question? Email us at killbykillpod at gmail.com or reach out to us on Twitter at killbykillpod. That brings us to the end of yet another episode. Thank you so much for your time, Gina. My pleasure. And with that, we say adieu, people. We'll see you next time. Bye-bye. by Kills produced by We Write Good and is intended for entertainment purposes only. Friday the 13th is owned by Paramount Pictures. Jason is owned by New Line Cinema. No infringement is intended. Kill by Kill logo was designed by Josh Hollis. Visit him at joshhollis.com. The Kill by Kill theme was created exclusively for us by Revenge Body. Get the whole track and much, much more at revengebodymemphis.bandcamp.com today.